All right, all right. Good morning, Summit. Is everybody excited to be here today? Have you had a good time so far? All right. All right. Hey, we're, uh, we're going to have a good time this morning. If you've got a copy of the Bible in front of you, uh, open it up to the book of Revelation. Now, that's extremely easy to find, all right? So Revelation, the last book of the Bible. In fact, to make it even easier, Revelation chapter 21. That's almost the last chapter of the Bible. There's one more after that. So if you just open your Bible up to the back, you are bound to hit Revelation 21. And we're going to be in verses 1 through 8. Uh, Revelation 21, 1 through 8 is where we're going to be this morning. Uh, but we're going to get there later, all right? We're, we're going to get there in a few minutes. We're not going to start there. We're going to get there right uh, later. We're going to build up to that. I just want you to turn there so that when we launch into Revelation 21, uh, you're pumped, you're primed, and you're ready to go with it in front of you, all right? Hey, I know we just prayed, but I, but I really want to open us up in prayer before I get started. So let's pray one more time, all right? Let's pray. Father, speak to us right now. God, I believe that you've got every single person here for a reason. Nobody just finds themselves at Summit this morning. Nobody finds themselves here by accident. God, you are speaking to us. God, you want to move in our lives. And so God, do it. And God, speak through me in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before we do get started, I want to just mention one more thing. Uh, Immediately after our service, right here at the forum, we are having Discover Summit. Uh, You say, what's Discover Summit? If you want to become a partner at Summit. Now, partner is the way that we talk about becoming a member at Summit. We get a lot of questions. How do I become, how, how do I make Summit my official home church? How do I join Summit? Well, the way that you join Summit, you really have to go to Discover Summit. Say, so what do you do there? Well, we really just tell you about our church, about our vision, uh, who we are, what we want to do, and that is right here at the forum immediately after this is over. And so we've got free lunch for everybody that stays. Uh, so it'll be just right here. So if that's you today, if you have planned to stick around for that, awesome. If you haven't planned but you want to, that's awesome. Stick around. If you're hungry, that's great. We want to feed you today. All right, if you have questions about who we are or anything, but that's right here, so you stick around for that. Give us a few minutes to set things up out there, but it's right here. We just want to invite you. You should stick around for that if you can. All right, uh, Revelation 21 is where we're going to be this morning. We're going to have a good time. And, uh, you know, I think... Uh, I think one of, the most, one of the most powerful things, one of the most powerful things that you can have is a right perspective. I think, I think having, having, having a right perspective is one of the most important things that you could have. And when I say perspective, I, 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 mean, I mean the way that you see things. I mean the way that you see your life, the way that you see the situation that you're, that you're in, the way that you see the, the world that you live in. And a right perspective is extremely important. See, because a wrong perspective, if you have a wrong perspective, a wrong perspective could cause you to give up. You're, you're in the midst of a situation, maybe you've been here. You're in the midst of a situation, some circumstance. You're convinced it's not going to work out. It's not going to turn around. Things are not going to improve. And because you've got a wrong perspective, you just quit. Uh, a wrong perspective can cause you to, 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 to give up, to throw in the towel before you need to. Things might be about to turn around, but because you've got a wrong perspective, you miss it and you give up. A right perspective, on the other hand, a right perspective can keep you going. Uh, a right perspective can, can keep you going. It can keep you in the race. It can cause you to, to keep running and to stay in there even when everything around you says 
give up. Perspective is really important. And today what we're doing, we are in part four of our series, 40 Days in the Bible. And I hope that you found this series helpful. Really what we're doing all summer in this series, it's got two more weeks in it. Uh, what we're doing in this series is we're just trying to dig into the Bible, see what God says in the Bible. Last week we talked about, is the Bible true or not? Can you even trust it? So if you have that question, you should go to our website and download it. You can listen to that. And so every week we're just asking different questions about the Bible. And today the question that I want to try to answer is what is the Bible about? What is the Bible about? Because listen to me, if you get that question right, if you get the question of what is the Bible about, then that question, if you get it right, it will change your perspective. See, because God hasn't given us some old, irrelevant, dusty book that doesn't matter anything to your life. See, the Bible, in the Bible, God covers the beginning all the way to the end. I mean, we'll talk about this in just a second, but the Bible opens with creation, when everything starts. The Bible ends, and we'll talk about this in a few minutes, when Jesus comes and he sets his kingdom up on earth. So, so the end. So it covers the beginning all the way to the end, and it also covers everything in the middle. And in the middle is you. In the middle is me. And so if you're here today and you look at your life and you feel like you don't have any purpose in your life, then what I would say to you is you need to figure out what the Bible is about. Because if you figure out what the Bible is all about, then all of a sudden it's going to tell you, oh, so that's the purpose for my life. Because God has given you something in the Bible meant to change your perspective. And so when you think about the Bible, and if you're taking notes, you should write this kind of stuff down that I'm about to say. When you think about the Bible, here's something I want you to know about the Bible. The Bible is one story. You should write that down. The Bible is one story. Now, when you read the Bible, there's all kinds of, of different stories, it looks like. There's all kinds, you, you'll read about all kinds of different people, different places, different things. But all of those things come together to make up one big story. The Bible, at the end of the day, is just one story. And it's not a fairy tale. It's not a made-up story. Again, you should go to last week. This is a true story. This is a true story about what God is doing in the world. Because the Bible is, is one true story. And see, just like every story, every story has a great beginning, doesn't it? Every story has a great beginning. A lot of stories that you love, maybe they start out with once upon a time, right? That's a, that's a great opening. That's a good story opening. Here's another one. Here's another one. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Anybody? Hallelujah. Praise Jesus. Amen. If you, listen, hey, if you get that reference, welcome to Summit. We're glad you're here. We love you, right? Right? See, the Bible, because it's a great story, it's the one ultimate true story, it starts out this way. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so, in one moment, God speaks. Genesis chapter 1, God speaks, and everything that you've ever known comes into existence. Trees come into existence, and, and mountains, and every animal you could ever know or, or think of that you've ever known, it comes into existence. And it all builds up in Genesis 1 to the main point where God creates man and woman. And everything in those opening chapters, Genesis 1 and 2, everything is perfect. The relationship that Adam and Eve have, it's absolutely perfect. The relationship that they have with God, it's absolutely perfect. There's, there's no pain. 
there. There's no disappointment. There's no heartbreak. Nothing goes wrong. It's exactly the way that God intended it to be. Because when God created everything, God created everything to be absolutely perfect. He wanted the perfect place so that he could have his perfect people and they could have a perfect relationship with him. It was great. It was the way it was supposed to be. And then in Genesis 3, it gets broken. In Genesis 3, it gets broken. In fact, you don't have to turn there. But if you were to turn to Genesis chapter 3 in big, bold, italic letters, your Bible probably says, the fall. And the reason it says the fall is because humanity in Genesis chapter 3, it falls away from what God intended. Because what happens in Genesis chapter 3, Satan comes to Adam and Eve and he deceives them, he tricks them. And for the very first time, people start to think, hey, you know what, I can do this without God. Hey, you know what, maybe God's a liar. Hey, you know what, maybe God can't be trusted. We could probably do this better if we didn't trust God, if we didn't live for Him. Let's try to make it on our own. And because humanity had that thought, and if we were there, we would have thought that too. But because humanity had that thought, everything is broken. I mean, literally, in that moment, as soon as they turn away from God, Adam and Eve's relationship is broken. Now, all of a sudden, they're, they're arguing, they're blame-shifting, they're accusing each other, there's conflict in the relationship. Now, all of a sudden, their relationship with God, it's hurt, because the Bible says in Genesis 1 and 2 that God would walk with Adam and Eve in the garden, and it was a great time. They would walk with God and talk to Him. He would talk to them. Then in Genesis 3, when they turn away from God, for the first time, they hide from Him. They hear God coming, and they try to hide from God because they've broken, they've fallen away. Now all of a sudden things die. Now all of a sudden there's pain. Now there's disappointment. Now there's heartbreak. Listen, the way that life is as you and I know it only comes from Genesis 3. Things are not, you need to get this, things are not supposed to die. That's not the way that God intended it. You look at people, you go to a funeral, you say, oh, this is what's supposed to happen. This is natural. No, it's not. That's not what God intended. God didn't intend anything to die. The only reason things die is because we've turned away from God and we've tried to make our own way. You and I, we've never experienced anything the way that God intended it to be. Nothing. We've never experienced anything the way that God intended it because everything is broken. And so there it is. Humanity is broken. Now all of a sudden they're separated from God. And then God comes in Genesis 3 and he talks to Satan and he says this in Genesis 3.15. He says this, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And so God comes to Satan and he says, one day I'm going to fix this. One day, Satan, I'm going to send somebody who's going to come and who's going to turn around everything you just did. I'm going to send somebody who's going to make right everything you just made wrong. And so the question in the entire Old Testament is who's that going to be? Who's going to be the person that's going to come and save everybody? Who's going to be the individual that's going to come and make it all right? And so after that, you're introduced to a whole slew of characters with the question, is it them? Are they the Savior? So a couple chapters later, you're introduced to a guy named Noah. And God comes to Noah, and he says, Hey, Noah, you should build a boat. And Noah says, What's a boat? And he says, It's a thing that floats on water because it's going to rain. And Noah says, What's rain? It never rained before. And so God explains all this to him. 
And he says, I'm going to start over with you, Noah. You and your family, you're going to get on this boat. It's going to be awesome. Sounds like this great trip, like a great great cruise or something. They get on there, and all of a sudden it looks like, holy cow, this is the guy. This is the Savior. It's going to be Noah. Noah's going to be the guy who perfectly lives for God. Noah's going to be the guy that saves everybody. And it's clear the moment that Noah gets off the boat, Noah's not the guy. Because listen, if you know your Bible, the very first thing Noah does when he gets off the boat, Noah goes and he sets up a tent and he gets drunk, strips naked, and he passes out in his tent. So there's Noah, drunk, naked, in his tent, looks just like a redneck on vacation, right? Right? You know what I'm saying? And it's clear, that's what the Bible says. I'm just talking about the Bible. It's clear, he's not the guy, man. Somebody's got to even save Noah. Look at that cat. He's naked in his tent. That's crazy. So, so maybe it's the guy after him, a guy named Abraham. Abraham comes, it's clear from the beginning, Abraham needs to be saved. Abraham can't perfectly live for Jesus and walk with God and, and, and all of that. But God comes to him in Genesis 12 and says, Abraham, from you I'm going to make a line of people and they're going to be greater than the stars in the sky and there's going to be more of them than the sand on the seashore. I'm going to make my people come from your descendants. And so the question, oh, who's going to save us? Who's going to be the people or the person that's going to make it all right? Maybe it's whoever God talking about there maybe it's the people that are going to come from abraham you fast forward a couple of pages and you get to the book of exodus and there's god's people exactly like he promised israel and their slaves in egypt and god sends another guy a savior named moses it's clear that somebody's got to save moses moses is running around he's killing people he's doing all kinds of crazy stuff and god uses moses though to deliver israel out of slavery And it's clear that somebody even needs to come and and save Israel. Israel is not going to be the one that God promised to come and fix everything because Israel worships golden calves. They constantly turn away from God. Who's going to be the person that's even going to come and save them? And so this question burns in the Bible. Who's going to fix it? Is it ever going to be okay Why is life the way that it is, and can anybody make it right? I mean, think about this. You've asked that kind of stuff before, haven't you? Is anybody going to come and fix this? And then all of a sudden, a group of men named prophets, they came, and they they told about a future when that person is still going to come. God's promise that he made all the way in the beginning, God's going to keep that promise. God's going to keep it. So when David, King David, takes the throne, the prophets start to say, hey, David's going to have somebody come from his line who's always going to be king. There's going to be somebody related to David who's going to be king for all of eternity. And then the prophet Isaiah, he starts to make promises about how one day there's going to be a virgin who gives birth to a Messiah. And so there's a lot of activity. God is promising this person's going to come. God is promising it's all going to be okay. And then all of a sudden, 400 years of nothing. You ever wonder what happens between the Old Testament and the New Testament? You ever thought that? wonder what happens between there. 400 years of nothing. God didn't send a message through a prophet. God didn't didn't seem to act. It was absolute silence. And then all of a sudden, a wild man walks out of the woods. A wild man named John the Baptist. And the Bible says that he's wearing animal skins. He eats insects. Sounds like a contestant on Fear Factor or something. He walks out of the woods. And John the Baptist says, there's coming somebody after me who I am not even worthy to untie his sandals. I'm not even worthy to tie his shoes. One day John the Baptist is baptizing people and all of a sudden Jesus Christ walks up to him. 
And it's clear from the very beginning that Jesus is the one person that God has promised from the start. And Jesus comes, and Jesus begins to make right everything that went wrong from the beginning. He starts to raise people from the dead, because you remember, people aren't supposed to die. He starts to heal the sick because that's not what God intended either. And in Jesus' life, like a laser beam, he goes to the cross. He goes to the cross to forgive sins because humanity's greatest problem, what we needed more than anything else, we needed somebody to come and to forgive us for our sins and who could make it so that we could have a right relationship with God. And Jesus goes to the cross for our sins to meet that need. And on the cross, one of the last things that Jesus says, Jesus is on the cross, he's been there for several hours, and all of a sudden he lifts himself up with the nails that are in his wrists and are in his feet, and he sucks a lot of air in because that's what you have to do because crucifixion is slow torture. And Jesus screams with everything that he has, and he says, it is finished. What is finished? What is finished? The rescue plan that God said from the beginning he's going to pull off. The thing that God said from the beginning when he said, I'm going to fix this, that's what's finished. God's rescue plan. Jesus came and he's made everything right. And then from that point on, Jesus three days later comes back from the dead just to show it is finished. This is the one that God has promised. He is the one who can change our lives and make all things new. And then the rest of the Bible points back to what Jesus did, points back to what Jesus said, points back to who Jesus was because the Bible is all about Jesus. Every story, every word, every page, all of it is about Jesus. And that is really good news. Listen, listen, listen. That is really good news that the Bible is all about Jesus. Because listen, the Bible is not about me. Say, no kidding. The Bible's not about you either. The Bible is not about any of us. See, the Bible is not, and I hear this a lot of times, the Bible is not a book with a bunch of rules so that if you keep those rules, then in the end, you get into heaven. Have you heard this? I've had people say this to me. Well, the Bible is the good book, and if you keep what the good book says, you'll get into the good place. Well, thank you, brother, but you're wrong. Right? If you talk that way and if you said that, I'm sorry. Right? That's not what the Bible is. Listen, the Bible is not a book of rules. It's not a list of to-dos. The Bible is not a book about what you do. The Bible is a book about what's been done for you by Jesus Christ. And if you give Him your life, and if you trust in what He did for you, then He saves you, and in Him you are safe. It's not about what you do. It's about what He did for you. And so when you go to the Bible, when you go to the Bible, all of a sudden you see that Jesus, he came and he told people, you need to give your life to me. You need to follow me. And then after he ascended into heaven, he says, we're, to, we're supposed to do the same thing. The, the, the call and the purpose of your life and, and my life, it's to be about Jesus. Your life is to be about Jesus. Jesus, the one who made you, the one who has saved you, or the one who wants to save you, it's all about Him. If you want purpose for your life, 
This is it because the story that God says here about how God goes to whatever lengths necessary to save people and to love them and to make them his own. That's the mission that he gives to us. That we need to take that same message and we need to take it to this city and to this region and to this world because it's what they need the most. Jesus Christ who came and is God's rescue plan. This is the story that God gave us. That's what the Bible is about, and that's what your life is supposed to be about. Jesus Christ. But it's easy to lose sight of that, isn't it? It's, it's easy, it's really easy to lose sight of what God has done in your life and what God is doing in the world. It's really easy to lose sight of that because you look around, and this is what Rick alluded to earlier and what everybody's thinking about at the forefront of your minds. This is really relevant right now for our community. It's hard to keep in mind all the hope and the promises and the great things that are in the Bible when all you do is you look around and all you see is pain. All you see is brokenness. All you see is uncertainty. People are asking, hey, what's going to happen? What's going to happen around here? The The future looks really dark, doesn't it? That's, what, that's a lot of conversations that you've had this week. That's a lot of conversations that I've heard in the room this morning. What's going to happen? That's why it's really good that God tells you how the story ends in the Bible. That's why one of the best things God ever did to you and did for you is that he tells you how this is all going to end. And he does that in Revelation chapter 21. So if you got your Bible, now we're in Revelation chapter 21. If you got your Bible, open up to Revelation chapter 21. And we're going to read verses 1 through 8. And listen, when you read this, I want you to read this. If you're here today, you've got a relationship with Jesus, you're a Christian, you need to read this knowing, hey, you know what, this is where my life is heading. You know, you're in this room, it may not feel that this is where your life is going, but your life is going there because Jesus is going to take you there, all right? Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 8. Watch this. It says, and then it'll be up on the screen as well. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne, this is God, God said, Behold, I am making all things new. In other words, told you I was going to fix this. I told you I was going to make this right. I am making all things new. Also, he said, write this down. Write this down. For these are trustworthy and true words. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. We'll come back to that last part. But here's what's happening right here. The way that the Bible ends is this way. Watch this. 
The Bible ends this way. It doesn't end with you and me in some mystical, ethereal heaven where we're all floating around, we got angel wings, and we're living on clouds eating cream cheese. You know what I'm saying? Have you seen that? That's not what, that's not what heaven is. That's not what heaven is. Heaven, listen, heaven is not you go to heaven and you become like a chubby little baby and you get wings and you flap around. That's not what heaven is. But see, and it, the Bible doesn't end with you in some mystical place. Did you see that it says it's a city that comes down out of heaven? There's a city that comes down out of heaven. Where does it come down to? Right here. Right here. Say hazard? No. Right here on this planet. God right now is making a city that's going to come down right here on this place where we live, this earth that he made, because he's going to make all things new, and we're going to be with him for all of eternity. He's making a city that's going to come down, and you and I, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you are going to be with him for all of eternity. And the best part of it is in verse 3. Watch the best part. The best part is in verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man he will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God did you see that listen the best part of heaven and the best part of what the Bible calls there the new Jerusalem is that you and I will be with Jesus that's the best part that's the best part you should clap right there the best part is that we will be with Jesus and in that moment when we're with Him, we'll get everything that we've ever wanted. Because listen, everything that we've ever wanted is in Him. He is everything that we've ever wanted. You might have never traced that hunt and that, that pursuit in that way, but everything you've ever went after that you've went after and you thought if I could have it and it would complete my life, it would satisfy my life, it would improve my life and make it what it ought to be. Really what you're looking for is Jesus Christ. And over and over and over, this is how I explain it to people, over and over, People are constantly looking for things that they'll only find in Jesus, and it satisfies for a season, but it just leaves them looking for something else. So that new job with that new promotion and that great house and all that money, it's only so good. It's only so good. It's not ultimately good. It's only so good. The kids are only so good. In fact, you've, only, you've already sold them on eBay. They just don't know it, right? Can we talk this way? We're in church. Let's be real honest. The sex is only so good. Right? You're going after it, and you're going after everything that everybody has ever, ever told you you need, and you get it, and it's only so good. And you're asking yourself, isn't there more? And the answer is yes, and his name is Jesus. Everything you have ever wanted is in him. We get this idea that eternity... It's this big family reunion, right? And the best part about heaven is that we get to be with everybody who's went on before us. And listen, that's good. That's good. But listen, those people, those relatives, those loved ones, they're not in heaven standing around looking at each other saying, man, I wish Bobby was here. It's kind of boring up here without him. They're not doing that. They're not up there waiting for you. They're there, and they're enjoying what they've always wanted, Jesus. And when you get there with them, you're just going to join them in what they're already experiencing because He is the best part. He's the best part. In fact, look at what He's going to do when we're, we're with Him. Verse 4, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death shall be no more. 
Neither shall there be no mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. Man, I love that. I love that it caused so much of what you and I experience now, former things. That's good, right? Listen, there's going to come a day when death dies. There's going to come a day when pain dies. I want you to know this morning, some of you are here and you're looking at your situation and what's happening in our community, and you're just drowning in uncertainty. You're just drowning in a lot of questions. There's a lot of confusion in your soul. I want you to know this morning, uncertainty and confusion does not get the last word over your life. Jesus gets the last word over your life. I want you to know this morning, you to know death, death does not get the last word over your life. Disease does not get the last word over your life. Cancer does not get the last word over your life. Disappointment, heartache, broken relationships, none of those things that you know now get the last word over your life. Jesus Christ gets the last word over your life. And some of you right now, you're in the midst of something and you're looking around at your situation and you're saying, is it ever going to change? Is it, is it ever going to get better? And what I would say to you this morning, you need a better perspective. You, you need a better perspective. Because what I want to say to you, where you're at now is just a chapter in your story. Your story doesn't end where you're at. Your story ends right here. Right here's where it ends. He's going to make sure that it ends right there. So that pain, that confusion, that situation, that's all you can see right now. I just want to tell you, it's a chapter in your story. In fact, it's not even a chapter. It's not even a paragraph. Perhaps it's a sentence in a paragraph on a page. But there's a greater story being written about your life. And God is the author. And Jesus has purchased the rights to the novel. And it will happen. It is going to happen. And so here's what I want you to do today. Here's what I want you to do today. Because our God is greater. Our God is stronger. Our God is higher than any other. And if God is for us, then nobody can be against us. Is that right? Man, I believe that today. And I hope that you believe that. And so here's what I want us to do today. I've asked the band to come and to help us. Because in the face of whatever you're facing right now, in the face of of whatever might be happening with all the uncertainty in our community right now. I don't know where you're at today, but I know where you're going. And so in the face of wherever you're at, the right perspective is to worship anyway. Because He's bigger than what you're facing. The, the right perspective is to worship anyway because He's greater than anything you'll ever, you ever will face. So let's stand and let's worship. I've asked the band to come, and we're going to sing a song that we sang a little bit earlier. And let's stand, and let's sing. And if you've never sung before, you've just kind of been passive with these songs. Let's sing, because He is our perspective. He is the one who has saved us. He is the one who is worthy of all of our worship. And so let's stand and sing to our great God, who will finish the story that He's writing in our lives. Let's worship Him.
pray together. Father, I thank you that you are greater. God, you are greater than anything that stands against us. God, over and over in your word, we just see this story that you've written, this beautiful, grand story about how you set yourself out to make all things right, to save your people. Nothing stopped you. It seemed like over and over there were things in the way and obstacles, but God, you always beat it because nothing gets in your way and God maybe there are people here today and that's where they're at they're at a place in their life where it seems like their story is stuck where it seems like nothing nothing is moving forward and it's all because they've got the wrong perspective that they think that way God I thank you for this time I pray that you would move you guys grab a seat and, and keep your Heads bowed and your eyes closed. Go ahead and you can sit, you can sit down. Because I believe there are people here in the room today and where you're at with your life is you're at a place where you look at your life. You say, wow, God, I need that perspective. I, I'm really drowning in a wrong perspective. In fact, maybe you'd say, Mark, Mark, I need, to, I need, I need you to pray for me. I want you to pray for me. And God, I'm asking you to give me the right perspective. Is there anybody here that just simply by raising your hand, you would say, Mark, I want you to pray for me. I need the right perspective over my life right now. I, I need the right perspective 
over my situation. I need to see that God is greater. There are hands going up, hands right there. God bless you, God bless you, God bless that hand. God bless that hand that's going up right now. Right now, if your hand's going up, praise God for that. You can put your hands down, put your hands down. God sees those hands. God knows your situation. He's greater than what you're facing. But you know what? This passage doesn't end. Maybe in the way that you would think that it would, because it ends in verse 8, and it talks about, it says that there are other people who are here when Jesus comes back here at the end of the story. There are other people that instead of being with God for all of eternity and enjoying Him for all of eternity, there are other people that verse 8 says that Jesus will send to the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. See, at the end of the day, what we talked about today, everyone doesn't automatically get to experience it. Everyone doesn't automatically get to experience God's grace in their life, a second chance from God, a new beginning from God, God making all things new. The only way that you can experience that is if you ask God to give you that second chance. Is if you ask God to make all things new in your life. Have you ever done that? Or maybe you're here and you're banking on something that's only giving you false hope so that when you stand before Jesus, which is exactly what this scene that we read describes, you're banking on something that shouldn't really give you any hope at all because instead of your hope being in Jesus, it's something that you've done. Today, if you're here and you do not know what would happen to you if you died today, or today if you're here and you know you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to know that your story can end well. I want you to know today that if you're at a place where you're looking for real change, you're looking for, for, for real purpose, Jesus is what you're looking for. And the way to give your life to Him, the way to experience His grace and His forgiveness and His mercy is to go to Him right where you're at and simply to ask Him to save you from your sins and to come into your life. And if you want to do that, I invite you to pray this prayer with me today. These are not magic words. These are just you talking to God, and I just want to try to help you verbalize what you need to say to God right now if you want to begin a relationship with Jesus. Just pray this where you're at. You say, Dear Lord Jesus, I've sinned. Forgive me for my sin. Come into my life. Save me. Make all things new in me. I want to live for you. I want to love you. I give my life to you. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer, if you just prayed that prayer and went to God and asked God to forgive you for your sins and to give you a new heart, I want you to know it's the most important decision you've ever made. And it's the greatest thing that you've ever done. It's the greatest thing you've ever done. But Jesus doesn't want you to keep it private. He wants you to tell somebody. And so right now, as soon as I say three, if you've given your life to Jesus, I just want to ask you to raise your hand. If you've responded to Jesus and you've said, I want to give my life to you, I want to begin a relationship with you, as soon as I say three, you raise your hand. Don't worry about other people, you raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now if you know that's you. You want to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Anybody in the room, if that's you, you need to be saved. You just raise your hand right now and God will see that. God will know your prayer and your heart and He'll make all things new. Father, I thank you for your goodness and grace here today. God, I thank you for the power that you, that, that you have and that you, that you display in our lives, Jesus. I thank you that, that you're at work in our midst. God, I thank you for the story that you're writing and that you have written. 
So God, I pray that as we leave in just a few minutes, Jesus, help, let us leave knowing that you are greater and that you are stronger than anything that we face because you are God. Father, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's thank God for what he has told us that he's doing in our lives and, and how he's committed to us and we don't deserve it. Father, we thank you for that. Hey, right now our ushers are going to take their places, so if uh, any of our ushers can come and you guys can get ready, we're going to receive our offering right now. Uh, and, and this is worship right here because when Jesus calls us to begin a relationship with him, he calls us to give, us, give him our lives. And, 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 and the way that looks, it looks a lot of different ways, but one of the ways that will look is it looks like giving a portion of the resources he gives to us back to him. And that goes to changing lives. It goes to reaching more people. And so right now, uh, we're going to pray one more time, and our ushers are going to take up the offering really fast. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd bless our offering. Thank you for our time together. In Jesus' name, amen. And as they pass our baskets, don't forget to fill out your connection cards and drop them in the offering baskets. Go ahead, guys. If you still need more time to fill out that card, you keep it. You can give it to somebody on the way out today. All right? We want to know about any decision that you've made today. Any decision at all. If you gave your life to Christ, if you want to be baptized, if you're a first-time guest, we want to know about it. Indicate that on the card. All right? As our ushers are receiving our offering. Hey, we want to thank you so much for being with us today. We hope that you've had a great time here at Summit. And we want to invite you to stick around for Discover Summit if you can. Give us a few minutes to set everything up out there for that. We've got a free meal for you today. It's going to be a great time. Uh, love for you to stick around for that today if you can. And thank you so much for being here next week. Hey, I want you to get this. Next week... I've got a really good friend of mine coming from Louisville uh, who's going to just lead us in worship. It's going to be a great time. just want to introduce you to somebody uh, next week. So you come and bring people with you. It's going to be a powerful time, part five of 40 Days in the Word, all right? And hey, this week, this week you should jump into a life group. Life group takes what we do here on Sunday mornings to another level. As you leave today... If you want to know about life groups in your area, when life groups meet, visit the Next Step booth. If you made a first-time decision for Christ or if you want help taking the next step in your relationship with Him, visit the Next Step booth today. Hey, God bless you guys. Love you. First-time guests, don't forget, table to the right. We've got a free gift for you. You guys are dismissed. We will see you next Sunday. Hope you can stick around for Disco Discover Summit. See you guys next week. Love you guys. God bless you.